Welcome to Breaking the Cycle of Poverty, featuring Andrew Green, exec, or Assistant Executive Director of Shepherd Community Center in Annapolis. I almost gave you a promotion there, Andrew. <laughs> uh, my name is Tim Swarens, and I'm your host for these conversations that explore why poverty remains such a persistent problem in the United States. On this episode, we'll discuss a crisis in education in Indiana and across the nation involving a high rate of chronic absenteeism among students. The U.S. Department of Education has reported a national chronic absentee rate of 29% in the 2022-23 school year. In Indiana, nearly one in five students missed at least 18 days of school in, in, in the last school year. Before the pandemic, Indiana's chronic absentee rate was 11.2%, so almost a doubling of, of the rates since before the pandemic. Um, Andrew, why are so many kids now missing so much school? That's a really complex question, I think, mm-hmm. um, and a really sad statistic, of course. Uh, that's just really incredible to think about missing almost four weeks of school over the course of the year. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking about how uh, how detrimental that is for a, a lot of our neighbors, a lot of the kids. But um, I think there's a lot of pieces that play into it, and obviously – it's different for each family, but I think some of the things we've actually been um, talking with our students about it. So talking to kids at the local schools, both uh, just across the board, some of our staff have been doing that, trying to listen and hear what people are saying. Why are they missing school? And so there's a number of different um, kind of themes that have developed. So a couple of them are caring for a sibling. So maybe uh, mom or dad needs to be working, needs to be having some sort of income. So that means older brother or sister needs to stay home and care for a sibling. Sometimes uh, some of the other ones that we've heard are related to just not feeling um, adequate in class. Mm -hmm. So whether that's sometimes a language barrier, meaning maybe English isn't their first language, so they're not feeling comfortable in class. Maybe they're feeling embarrassed because they don't know what's going on. They've gotten so far behind for whatever reason that it's embarrassing for them to be there. Mm-hmm. So that's another driving factor mm-hmm. that we've heard. Um, can't understand the language, obviously, maybe not able to read. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine that if some of those are your challenges, you don't really want to be in class. You don't really want to be at school. So that's significant. Um some some kids have said that they don't feel like anyone's really helping them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably a reflection, not that teachers don't care, but maybe there's not enough support to offer kind of individualized help. And then I think kind of circling back to that working one is sometimes the kids are feeling the need to work, pressure from yes. mom or dad to mm-hmm. help provide for mm-hmm. the family. So those are a few of the ones that we've heard that are driving that chronic absenteeism. Yeah. And, and chronic absenteeism is, is defined as missing 10% or more of the school year. That's that's 18 days or almost four weeks of classroom instruction. Uh, just to yeah. stop and think a minute, if, if you called in sick to your job, uh, you know, 10% of the time or yeah. more, uh, you're probably going to be having a conversation with, yeah. with your supervisor yeah. about that. In terms of education, what what are the developmental consequences for kids who, who miss that much school? Yeah, that's huge. Um, I think about even our, this is before school starts, but our youngest, we have a program called Project Jordan, works with kids zero to three. Mm-hmm. And they talk a lot about, in, in that age group, they call them windows of opportunity. And that's really the same 
throughout as they continue to get older as well. So when they're missing school, they're missing these windows of opportunity to learn certain things in their development, both across the board, physically, developmentally, socially, all these different uh, kind of windows are closing when they're missing so much time from school. And I think even specifically about like reading, for example, there's a lot of statistics about uh, being able to read by third grade. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, the state is looking at that, the country is looking at how many kids are able to read. And so you're learning, I've heard this said before, you're really learning to read up till third grade. And then it kind of switches to your reading to learn. learn. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So thinking about that, and if you're missing so much school, especially early on, you're not ready to learn, you're not ready to read, you're not ready to learn, you're not able to read to learn after that. So you can kind of imagine how much that compounds as you get older. And if if you're in a place where you're moving along Mm -hmm. without having some of those building blocks, it's really difficult to circle back and build build back what what wasn't there from the beginning. How how can schools and communities uh, begin to reverse this this rise in absenteeism? There's um, there's some things that we've been thinking about that I think both for nonprofits like Shepherd, but also community wise and individual wise is uh, I think tutoring's a mm-hmm. big one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that you could participate in through Shepherd or through the school. Uh, but getting involved in kind of that one-on-one or small group tutoring. Lots of times they refer to it as um, high-intensity tutoring, which just means that it's happening on a regular interval. But that one-on-one or small group tutoring, um, that could be around language. It could be around reading. Those would be some key areas, but obviously around other subjects as they get older also. So that that tutoring is a big one. We're looking at uh, kind of how to extend the school day. So that means after school is an option for that. Mm-hmm. Summer programs are an option for that. We've seen that uh, in our elementary program in our partnership with United Way and the Mind Trust of being able to really invest in the summertime and the learning. What often happens is that summer learning loss, there's a chance to, we and we've seen that happen mm-hmm. where we can um, stop the learning loss in the summer and keep them up to speed. So kind of taking that same approach to after school and summer programs for kids who are ha- uh, dealing with this chronic absenteeism an opportunity to invest in the tutoring and the extra support in that way. I think um, another way is that uh, colleges could support when we're talking about tutoring, even colleges could support that with their students. There's an opportunity for them to learn what tutoring looks like to increase the service that they provide, but also and the experience that a student has as a college student, if they're interested in moving into that field. But uh, college support could be a big part of that or other nonprofits like Shepherd kind of working together to support the school system, come around the schools. Um, I think the other piece kind of outside of the school is really focused on the whole family. Mm-hmm. So if you, that question at the beginning that you asked me about what are the reasons for this, uh, a lot of them had to do with a, a family situation. Mm-hmm. So Shepard does a lot of um, looking at the whole family and how we can support the whole family. And that's something that uh, whether you're involved at Shepherd or you're doing in some other way, uh, a community could look at how do you support the whole family? Yeah. 
Who 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 can serve as a tutor or a mentor? Do I need to have a PhD in mathematics <laughs> to to tutor a child? Absolutely not. No, uh, really, just about anybody can serve in that tutoring role and that uh, possibility for it to even turn into a mentoring role, mm-hmm. where you know you spend time reading with a kid, listening to a kid read. You spend time working on math, and before you know it, you're talking about all sorts of life situations, life mentoring really you're even thinking about um, just creating a future orientation where a student can look and say you know what this isn't how I see myself in the long term I want to see myself here how do I get there and a a tutor and a mentor can really help guide in that direction to talk about kind of what plans can look like what those intermediate steps can look like for a, a different future and that future orientation so there's research has shown that, that one way to reduce absenteeism is through ministries like Shepherd, nonprofit organizations and community, ensuring that the kids have the basics that they need, yeah. right? Yeah. Clothing that's clean and that fits, uh, enough food uh, at home. Um, how can church and business leaders partner with Shepherd to make sure families are receiving those essentials? Yeah, those are... Uh... Some of those basic needs, like you mentioned, are a part of our kind of our existing program. So sometimes it's a matter of um, if it's a good fit for a church or a business or someone to give financially, obviously, to support in those ways through our, our food pantry, our food deliveries, where we're taking food to folks, our food drive-throughs. Those are all different ways that we get food out. Another really cool way is that Um, We look to give food anytime a kid's not going to be in school. We know that's a time Mm -hmm. where food insecurity is a problem. So we send home weekend food packs. We send home um, anytime there's a break in school. So spring break, fall break, Christmas break, we're sending food home in totes in those cases. And we've had uh, some really great partnerships over the years with churches and businesses where they help Uh, provide the food for those, where they help pack Mm -hmm. those food totes and um, bring them here, and we get those out to all the students in the area and support in that way. I think another way is just uh, you can volunteer in those ways. So when I talked about delivering food, it's a great way to connect and uh, volunteer in that way or other events like our mobile uh, drive-through pantry. We hand out food, so we load up trunks two Fridays a month, and so that's another great opportunity. So there's some volunteer, some giving, some serving opportunities that we'd love folks to come alongside and help support the whole family to address this it's, issue. It, it's all connected, right? Exactly. It, yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so this issue, their set of issues, has is, is caught the attention of lawmakers and policymakers in Indiana and in, and in D.C. And they're talking about how to confront the, the increase in absenteeism. What would you say to those policymakers about how they can help? Yeah, I think the, the biggest part is probably about kind of the mindset in which we approach it because it's, it would be easy to look at it and say, uh, this kid's not at school, we need to punish them. And we need to figure out, you know, why they're not here and punish it as the solution to create a different, um, a different way. But I, I would contend that the punitive policies aren't going to be the ones that will be the most effective. When I talked about and you asked that question around the whole family and how complex it is, <clears throat> that's what we need to look at um, from a policy perspective is not punitive but supportive of families and realizing the complex situation that so many of these kids are in and policymakers can help with that. I think there's an opportunity to incentivize 
um, communities around supporting schools in that way, in those supportive services and uh, other nonprofits like Shepherd or churches, but the community as a whole can be um, also incentivized and invited in to those partnerships. So I think there's some sometimes some barriers between schools and school districts and the bureaucracy that exists there and nonprofits, churches, things like that. So there's an opportunity for some policies to help support families in that way too. So those would be a couple of the biggest ways that I think policymakers could be looking at this differently. Thank you, Andrew, for for helping us learn. It's a really important set of issues, helping us learn and understand more about it. Absolutely. For 38 years, Shepherd Community has made a lasting difference in the lives of thousands and thousands of neighbors. The Shepherd team couldn't do that work without the support of donors, partners, and volunteers. To learn more about how you can help, please visit shepherdcommunity.org. Thank you for listening.